Hey there, this is Michael Burris. I'm the lead pastor of Summit View Church in Irving, Kentucky, and this is our podcast. I hope this podcast encourages you, I hope it inspires you, and I hope it helps you to start seeing your life from God's perspective. Thanks for joining us today. Now enjoy the message. So excited that you guys are joining us today, whether you're joining us here in person or you're listening to this later online. Uh, We are currently in a series that we're calling, we're actually wrapping it up today, this series that we're calling When Pigs Fly. And it's kind of a, When Pigs Fly is kind of a sarcastic remark about, um, yeah, that's never going to happen. And we're actually talking this whole month, we've been talking about um, the miraculous, the miracles that God performs in our lives and through our lives. And uh, we, I hope that personally your faith has been built this month um, because that was the whole goal, that, that this month you're going to believe God for a little bit more than you did last month. And so next week um, we are starting a brand new series for the month called Summer Mixtape. It's going to be a really fun time. It's guaranteed to be a fun one. Um, just a mixtape of messages that we feel God lay on our hearts that I think are going to be really valuable um, for years to come. Hopefully you'll look back on it and you'll, have, um, you'll remember it just kind of like you do the, your favorite mixtape songs, you know. We hope that that's going to be good for you. Um, today uh, we're going to be talking about, um, actually last week we talked about God's miracle of provision. If you guys didn't hear that, you can go back and listen to it um, on the, uh, the podcast. That's the word I was going for. The podcast, or you can find it online. Um, if you've ever had a need, we know that in, in the Bible, in every story of need, there was a miracle of provision, and God still wants to provide for you today. So, um, That was last week. This week, um, we are going to talk about when God miraculously heals and God miraculously heals. First off, our series verse is Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 21, says this, says, He alone is your God, the only one who is worthy of praise. The one who has done these mighty miracles that you have seen with your own eyes. So when we talk about healing, um, there's, there's, a, there's quite a few stories of healing in the Old Testament. There's a whole bunch of them. There's, a, there's one where a guy named Nahum, he goes down and he has leprosy. He, drip, he dips himself in the creek seven times. He gets healed. There's a story about um, a lady named Hannah that uh, her, she's, she has a miraculous birth. She's not supposed to be able to have children, and she has a miraculous birth. There's a story where Elijah raises this boy from the dead. All throughout the Old Testament, you'll find stories that God has healed people over and over and over. And then also in the Gospels, in the New Testament, you'll find at least 30 different healing miracles. And really there's implied that it's going to be, there's hundreds more that have happened. So you'll find that um, Jesus healed blind people. He opened deaf ears. He healed lepers. He raised the dead. And then in the book of Acts, There's a story where the Apostle Paul, he preached so long that this boy named Eutychus, I don't know if he got tired of it or whatever, he preached so long that this boy Eutychus fell asleep and he fell out the window and he died when he hit the bottom. I mean, like, 
I'm going to be honest. I have preached people to sleep before, but I have never, to the best of my knowledge, preached anybody to death. And so you're welcome. Just saying, you're not dead yet. What, if you were Paul, what you're like. But then this, the great story is Paul goes down after he's died and he raises him back from the dead so he could sit back up and listen to the rest of the message. Paul said, I healed him. I killed him and I healed him. You know, it's just a great, great story. There's also, and this is probably, if not the most controversial healing in the Bible, probably the most controversial miracle in the Bible that Jesus healed his follower Peter, he healed Peter's mother-in-law. And a lot of scholars believe that that is actually the reason that Peter denied him three times when it came. You'll get it in a second. But this morning, yeah, somebody just got somebody just said, oh man. This morning we're going to look at a story out of Luke chapter 8. If you guys want to turn there with me, if you don't have a Bible, that's okay. You can look on the screens behind me also. You can uh, look on your message notes this morning. So let me set this up. Setting this up, Jesus had just healed a demon-possessed man, okay, on the other side in this um, of the lake in this region called the Gerasenes. Jesus had just healed this demon-possessed man, and so he jumps in a boat, and he's crossing this lake to a place called Galilee. And once he sets down in Galilee, there's this man named Jairus that comes and finds him, and he asks him to come with him and heal his 12-year-old who was dying. And so Jesus says, absolutely, and he goes with Jairus, and that is where we pick up today, on the way to go heal Jairus' child. Luke chapter 8, verse, starting in verse 42, going through verse uh, 48, it says this, as Jesus went with him, as Jesus went with Jairus, he was surrounded by the crowds. Jesus was pretty famous at this point. So everywhere he went, he had a lot of trouble getting away from people, getting away from the crowd. And he's surrounded by crowds. And this woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding, and and she could find no cure. So this woman, she had had a period for 12 years straight. She was bleeding, and, and, and she couldn't find any cure. In fact, some versions say that she'd spent everything that she had on doctors, and, there, and she couldn't find any kind of help. So coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe, and immediately the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. And everyone denied it because, you know, he's, he's a rabbi walking through the streets. They're not supposed to, you know, reach out and just lay their hands. He's a, he's a holy man. And, and he said, who touched me? And everybody denied it. And Peter, sarcastic Peter, said, um, this whole crowd touched you. They're all pressing up against you. What do you mean, who touched you? And Jesus said, no, someone deliberately touched me, for I felt healing power go out from me. And when the woman realized that she could not stay hidden... She began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. The whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. Daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. And so there's this big old crowd surrounding Jesus. He's like, wait a second, somebody just touched me. And Peter's like, everybody just touched you. I don't understand. Like they're all touching. He said, no, somebody, somebody intentionally touched me. Somebody meant to reach out and touch me for something because I felt the healing power leave my body. Um, some versions will say, I felt the virtue leave the power, this, that, that, that God has, he felt it leave. And so 
And so this woman had, had, had climbed through the, the crowd and she'd reached out and she just touched the fringe of his robe. How many of you believe that God has the ability to heal someone? Let me see your hands. God has the ability to heal someone. See, this might be even, there might be even more people in the room here that believe that, that this has happened to, that you have prayed though, and that he would, but it didn't happen. So I just want to go ahead and, and talk about this right up front. There are times that we pray. It doesn't happen like you, you've prayed. And this is one of the biggest tensions for, for many people when you start praying for people um, and you pray for somebody to be healed and it doesn't happen. And so you say, well, something must have been wrong. Why would I have prayed? Why should I have even prayed in, 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 the, in the first place? Because we know he can, but he doesn't. And, and it's confusing, and you have questions, and you have doubts, and some people depart from the faith. They, they leave the church because, because their world has just been rocked. And to be honest, if you came this morning asking me the question, why doesn't God heal everyone every time? I'm going to tell you, I don't know. I just, I don't have an answer for it. You know, I, I think, honestly, I'm not going to know on this side of heaven. It might be something that I ask Jesus about later on down the road. But let me also say this, that we can't let our experience cause us to question God's character, and we can't let our experience que- cause us to question God's truth. Just because it hasn't happened, we have to choose to live above our experiences. We have to say it like this way, we can't elevate our experiences above the truth of God's word. And so that's what I want to look at this morning. I want to look at what does God say What is the truth of God's word about healing? And I want this to take the throne of our heart in place of some of our bad experiences from the past. I don't know why it didn't happen. One day you'll find out. One day we'll all find out. But I'll tell you this. If if I'm walking and I know that there is a well that's filled with water and I'm parched, I'm going to scoop it with the, I'm going to lower the bucket down and I'm going to scoop it. And if the first time I pull up the bucket from the well and I don't have any water in it, I'm not going to give up and walk away because I know there's water at the bottom of the well. What am I going to do? I'm going to lower the bucket down and I'm going to scoop again. And so I I may not know why the healing doesn't always happen, but I, I, but I don't want you to give up praying for it. I want you to pray again. I want you to scoop it again because there's going to be a day, there's going to be a point in your life where you're going to find the scales have tipped and something happened. The scales have tipped and God did something miraculous and amazing. But I do think that this morning, as we look at the, the, uh, the truth of God's word, God's want, God wants us to see some things from this story, this woman with the issue of blood this morning. There's three points from this story that that I want us to look at this morning where this woman was healed. Number one, I want us to know that sickness is not God's perfect plan. Sickness is not God's perfect plan. I know there's been situations where, where good things have happened, even in the face of sickness, even in the face of disease and injury and death. Good things have come from it. Multiple times, I know stories that, it, that has happened, but, tr- but trust that th- God's plan is not to harm someone so, so that someone else would be blessed. That's not God's perfect plan. 
for anybody. He doesn't want to harm some people so that from their life story, someone else can get blessed. It's comforting to say sometimes when, when it doesn't happen, it's comforting to say, well, they weren't healed. It must not have been God's will. They weren't healed. It must not have been in God's plan. And, and we use that comfort for our, for our unmet expectations. But I want to tell you this, that there is not one place in Scripture that you're going to be able to find that where God walked by somebody that was crying out for healing and he told him, I'm not going to heal you because you're supposed to be sick. Or, I'm not going to heal you because I need Joshua to see how well you handle this sickness. That's not the way that God works. You just can't find it. If you go searching, though, in your Bible, here is what you'll find. That they were sick, they encountered Jesus, and they were made well. They were dead, and Jesus came to them, and they were raised back to life. John chapter 10, verse 10 says this, that the thief, the enemy, Satan... The thief comes to only to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He wants to break you down. He wants you to steal your life. He wants to steal your health. He wants to steal everything you have and destroy you, to kill you. But I, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. The enemy wants to steal your health. Jesus wants to bring you life. God doesn't cause sickness, okay? God can't cause sickness. It doesn't, sickness can't exist. It doesn't exist in heaven, and so it doesn't exist in the presence of God. Sickness is not of God. It's not a virtue. So if you want to know God's original design, we can track it back to the very beginning. Okay, the very beginning when the world was first formed, you don't read that Adam and Eve got sick. You don't read that, that, you know, that, that they, they fell and broke their arm or whatever. No, sickness and disease entered the scene because of sin. The world became broken because of sin. Not because God put it into the world, but because the enemy brought it into the world. The imperfection of God's broken creation is what caused sin and death to enter the scene. And there will be a day, though, that God's perfect plan for humanity is reinstated. And this world will be made new. And those that are in Christ are going to receive their new bodies. And they're never going to have to deal with any of these things again. But as long as we live in an imperfect and a broken world, we're going to have to deal with sickness. We're going to have to deal with death. We're going to have to deal with injury. But all of these things, we got to know. This is not God's perfect plan for us. Also, sickness is not a means of punishment. God doesn't put sickness on people to, because he wants to discipline them. That's not, that's not how he disciplines people. Throughout my life, I've heard this so much that people think they got sick because God's teaching them a lesson. Because, well, I messed up and, you know, I just, God's teaching me a lesson. That's not how it works. That's a lie of the devil. And he uses guilt and shame to open the door to make you believe that you deserve what you have. God doesn't use sickness to punish us or to discipline us. God heals us, though, to show us that he loves us. And lastly, on this, on this point, I want you to know this, that sickness and disease, it's it's not transferable, okay? Like some, well, some, you know, 
in the, in the spiritual sense. Stay with me here. Some of it is contagious, but it's not transferable. So I had a man one time that walked into church, and, and he started telling me how he had stage four cancer. And, and this man was rejoicing. It, you know, great. He had a great outlook on life, but, but he said something to me that, that I just couldn't agree with. He said he, he was so glad that he had cancer, this stage four cancer because it meant that there's a 12-year-old girl somewhere in the world that doesn't have it. Sickness is not transferable. That's not the way that it works. It doesn't, it doesn't work like if I'm sick, someone else is not. If I'm, if I'm broken, someone else is not. The heart that he had was great, but he was deceived. Because it's, it, and it's not transferable. Just because I'm suffering from it from, doesn't mean that someone else is not suffering from as well. Why do I tell you these things? Why am I telling them to you? Because it's impossible to full-heartedly pray and ask God to heal us if deep down we think that we're supposed to be going through it. Why even pray? If we thought we were supposed to be going through it because it was a means of God to provide an end, why would we even pray? We can't pray in faith and believe that God's going to heal us if deep down we believe that we deserve to be sick. We believe that we deserve to be broken, that God's trying to teach us a lesson. Listen, sickness is going to happen. Spoiler alert, 100% of us in this room are, as long as Jesus doesn't come back, we all have a 100% death rate, okay? Everybody in this room is going to die. I'm glad you came for my encouragement this morning. We're all going to die. Run. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Run for the hills. But we're all going to die. We're going to have to deal with sickness. We're going to have to deal with death. It's going to happen. But these are not, to deal with it, this, it's not God's will for you to suffer God's will is that everyone would live a full life, an abundant life, found in John chapter 10, that, and they would pass from this earth peacefully at the ripe old age of around 80 to 85, depending if you're a man or a woman. He wants you. Sickness is not part of God's perfect plan for your life. It's just not. Number two. Number two. Faith moves the heart of God. We see this in the story. Faith moves the heart of God. What did Jesus say? He said this, daughter, your faith has made you well. Your faith has made you well. Faith is simply this, believing and trusting. And, and you know what, what true faith is means that there's going to be an action to it. There's going to be some action to it. So in this story of this woman, she, she could have said, I've got all the faith in the world that Jesus is going to heal me. But if she sat back on the outskirts of the town and never pressed her way inside to try to touch Jesus where he was at, she couldn't claim any kind of faith. Your faith is not proven until your faith is tested. Your, a, a living faith is a faith that is active, that is working towards the belief that you have in your heart. But faith moves the heart of God. God's action will meet you where your faith is. Sometimes faith looks like this stable confidence, knowing, hey, I've got this diagnosis, but I also know that my God heals. Sometimes faith looks like desperation, like this woman breaking all the rules and pressing through the crowd. Doesn't matter what's going to happen to me. I've got to get to Jesus because I know that if I just touch the hem of his robe, that I'm going to be healed. 
Sometimes faith is solid trust. Sometimes it's just all you can do. But the Bible says this in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. Jesus says, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, like itty bitty faith, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it'll move. And nothing will be impossible for you. If you just have a little bit of faith, nothing is impossible. Concrete faith or desperate faith. If you have enough, just the size of a mustard seed, you have access to the miraculous power of God. You know, there was two times in the Bible, only two, where it says that Jesus was amazed. Jesus was amazed. He was marveled. Once in chapter 8, because he encountered this man that had great faith, this centurion that had great faith. But then again, there was another time in Mark chapter 6 that said Jesus was, was amazed. He marveled because in Mark chapter 6, a whole town had a lack of faith. So you can wow God when it, when it comes to your faith. You can wow him. You can wow him, we can amaze him, but will you amaze God because you trust him so much or will you amaze God because you trust him so little? You can wow God with your faith. You can be the man that stands there and said, I know just a word from you will heal my servant. Or you can be the whole town that stands there and says, aren't you Jesus, the carpenter's son? You, there's no way you can do the things that they're saying that you're doing. You can wow God. But are you going to wow him with the faith because you trust him so much or because you trust him so little? And then finally, number three, I'm, I'm going through this pretty quick today because I want us to have a time at the end of this. It would be silly for me to talk about healing and to not offer a moment that you can be healed. So number three, number three, God makes healing available to who? Everyone. God makes healing available to everyone, not just the spiritual elite, not those people that have it all together, not for those people that never make mistakes, but God makes healing available to everyone all the time. Like this woman that had this issue of blood, let me tell you about her. The fact that she was bleeding meant that she had to be put out from the town. She was now marked. She was marked as unclean. And she had to be put away from the people. She had to be put outside of the city walls. She was an outcast. And yet, Jesus made healing available to her. She wasn't the target person that we would see. Like if we think in our mind, the person who deserves it. The person that, well, they've, they've gone to church for 50 years now. God would heal them. I, this is my first time to church in 50 years. There's no way that he's going to trust me. He's going to heal me. But this woman is, is an example that she wasn't, she wasn't perfect. She didn't have it all together. She was an outcast. And yet, Jesus healed her because healing is available to everyone. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 4 says this, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. 
Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God. And this is all about Jesus. This is a prophetic word in the Old Testament that's going to come hundreds of years later in the person of Jesus. And it's talking about the moment that Jesus had sin put on him. That, his, that, that he had been taken and stolen away and he was getting tried and beaten and murdered on our behalf. It says, Surely he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Some versions say, by his stripes that he took on his back, we are healed. See, there is a, they were relentless in their torture when, when Jesus was around. And, and they would take this whip, and it was called the cat of nine tails. And they would, they would embed in each piece of leather on this whip some glass and shards and rocks. And, and so as they would, as they would, they, they, as they whipped Jesus, the, the skin, the flesh would be torn from his back. And so by the stripes that he took, though, it says that he's made, he's made it where we can have access to the healing power that he offers. He took the stripes for a purpose. Every time when you see, when you see this story of Jesus getting beaten, getting whipped, getting broken, the Bible says that he was beaten beyond recognition, that you could no longer even recognize that he was a human being. But every one of these things that he went through, there was a purpose for it. There was a reason. He did everything intentionally. He was spit on. He was mocked. He had his beard plucked out. I like to think that he had his beard plucked out so I could grow a luscious beard today. You know what I mean? Nobody, no joke? Okay. Sorry. Back to it. Everything that Jesus did, he did intentionally. And so he took those stripes on his back for a reason. His body was broken so that you could have access to healing. God shows no favoritism. And whether you feel like you deserve it or not, Jesus already paid for your healing. Whether you feel like you deserve it or not, Jesus already paid for your loved one's healing. It's already been paid for. There's nothing that you have to do except... Believe and receive what God wants for you. The same blood that was shed for your sin was shed for your healing. We accept our salvation by faith and that's the same way that we receive our healing that God has for us. By faith, by believing, by trusting, sometimes by putting action to it. by trusting that God has provided it and he has the desire to make it real in our lives. You've got to believe that God wants it for you. It's already been paid for. Well, thanks for joining us today. I pray that this message had an incredible impact on your life. If you want more information about our church, you can check us out online at summitview.online. We hope we get to see you on a Sunday very, very soon. But until then, have a great week.